Welcome to the North Pole, everybody. I'm your host, Gabe Flayton. This is going to be a much different show than the ones prior. I mean, we already got the sign in the back. We had Santa's intro. I felt the need to bring Santa Claus. We got Kenny Galladay back from injury. The Galladays are here. We got St. Nick Foles with the foliage upon us. I just had to get in my festive mood tonight because this was a big NFC North week, and there's a lot to celebrate about for 75% of this division. I am amongst the 25% that does not have a lot to celebrate yet. This show has given me a lot to be happy about. I'm excited for this one. Uh, Results for NFC, the NFC North week three. I mean, look at the, look at these scores all decided by one possession or less guys. This was an incredible week. Uh, Competitive. We had upsets with Detroit and Arizona. The Lions and Matt Patricia, wow, what a performance by Detroit with a real team win out there. And then Minnesota losing by one point to the Titans. Steven Goskowski with six field goals in that game. The Titans have now won uh, three of their games uh, this season by a total of five combined points. And then Chicago coming back against Matt Ryan and the Atlanta Falcons, I think Coach Dan Quinn is getting the boot real soon over in Atlanta and Green Bay taking down the New Orleans Saints on Sunday night football. That was an incredible game. Later on the show, I'm going to have Kevin O'Brien and Caitlin Leonard to talk about the Bears and the Packers. Uh, the standings right now, you have the Bears and the Packers at the top at 3-0. and Who would have thought this would be how the division would look three weeks into the season? I had no clue that this was going to happen, uh, and nobody else around the NFL did either. Looking at uh, at the rushing leaderboards this week, a huge day from Dalvin Cook, 22 attempts, 181 yards, and one touchdown. And then the rest of them, not a ton of yards in the NFC North rushing-wise this week. This was 100% a week of the quarterbacks. Look at these stats. I mean... Aaron Rodgers, Matt Stafford, and Nick Foles all had incredible games, over 65 QBRs all around. Aaron Rodgers, who right now is rated number one by PFF as the number one quarterback in the NFL, above Russell Wilson, which has some people questioning things. But right now, can you really argue that Aaron Rodgers isn't the best quarterback in football with who he has to throw to? These numbers that he has put up this season are absolutely incredible guys and then who's catching these balls Justin Jefferson I said it on my show last week we need to see more from Justin Jefferson in Minnesota and that we did this Sunday he shredded the Tennessee uh, defense and then Alan Lazard another wonderful performance by him he's really growing in that offense and finally Aaron Rodgers has somebody besides Devontae Adams to really target on that team Allen Robinson doing what he does every week, consistent 10 catches, 123 yards against a banged up Atlanta secondary. Jimmy Graham, he also had the benefit of playing against a banged up Atlanta secondary, and he really succeeded with the, uh, with the replacement of Mitch Trubisky. I think we'll talk about that more on the show with Caitlin Leonard, who uh, runs a Bears podcast 
and that will be really exciting. She's going to be coming on in 15 minutes to go over that Bears-Falcons game. And then Kenny Galladay. He is finally back, and fantasy owners are loving it. Six catches, 57 yards. Welcome back to the league, Kenny Galladay. So that brings us to our top five plays of the week. This show is going to be a little different this week. Uh, I have a lot more um, a lot more going on this week, a lot more interactive video, uh, clips, and just all around. You see the ticker at the bottom of your screen. You're going to be seeing that go off all game, uh, all show, I should say. And uh, it's going to be changing the entire show. And uh, feel free to drop some questions in the box. Uh, of course, I will pin them and uh, answer them as the show goes on. Thank you, everybody, for joining me. Let's go to our top five plays of the week, starting with number five, Jeff Okuda. With the interception versus Kyler Murray, who threw three of those in this game. Look at Okuda get up, run. It was a fantastic play by him. Uh, And just this Lions defense in general in this game, an impressive showing for them. And then number four. Anthony Miller with a great, great catch to win the game on a beautiful throw from Nick Foles. Anthony Miller has been really, really good this year, but he has suffered a couple drops. This was a great redemption catch for Anthony Miller. And let's go to number three. Justin Jefferson with the play of the week for Minnesota, really. This would have won them the game if their defense had any answer for Derrick Henry at this point in the game while I was watching I thought the Vikings had it in the bag but no they did not Derrick Henry was too strong for them Ryan Tannehill was accurate all game and the Minnesota Vikings this was at this point in the game they were up 12 and it just did not did not work for them in this one and then at number two let's go to New Orleans Aaron Rodgers on the move throwing off his back foot to Alan Lazard with a diving grab. That was uh, Alan Lazard's first of one, uh, first of his giant catches in this game. He had another catch go for 70 yards in this game. This one was for about 48. Alan Lazard, man, uh, later in the show, me and Kevin O'Brien will talk about him. He is really coming into his own on this team. And then at number one, Kyle Rudolph, the red-nosed reindeer, making an appearance on the North Pole, his first appearance on the North Pole in fantastic fashion, making a one-handed snag in the end zone. Look at those toes tap in. Kyle Rudolph, man, in the end zone, one of the best hands in the end zone. Nobody has better hands when it comes to the end zone than him. If you watched the, that New Orleans Saints game last year, uh, a lot of you will agree with that. So that brings us now to our first segment. Let's go over to Detroit and talk about the Detroit Lions. They were playing the Arizona Cardinals in this game. Matt Stafford owns the Arizona Cardinals last year, threw for over 380 yards and three touchdowns. What really, really struck me in this game, though, was how well they played as a team. Now, Detroit has looked really bad as a team chemistry-wise this year. Uh, At linebacker, Gerard Davis and Jelani Tavani have been some of the worst linebackers in the league. I mean, getting gashed by David Montgomery week one, getting gashed by Trubisky, and then in week two, getting gashed by Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, Alan Lazard, uh, the whole nine yards, this team was not good at any 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 position, really. Um, and yes, Tom, Alan Lazard, coming out party. Uh, it's funny because this man has has never been um, the, the least – I shouldn't say this, but he's always been one of the better players on the team he's played for. At Iowa State, he, was, he broke tons of records, uh, and he was highly touted out of high school. Alan Lazard really – I think it's just underrated. I think he never got the credit he really deserves. And Aaron Rodgers, he can make anybody look good. But to be quite honest, I think Alan Lazard would be a, a really good receiver, quite honestly, on any team. Uh, and it's just nice that he gets to do it on a national stage. 
in front of uh, everybody. And me and Kevin will talk a lot about Lazard later in the show. Uh, back to Detroit, though. Uh, guys who stepped up in this game were people you wouldn't really think. You have veteran Jamie Collins, who had an interception. Uh, and so did Jeff Okuda, who really, he's he's had a rough go of things in, in just two games this year. But he really, really wanted to win this one. And he came into this game and he told reporters afterwards, uh, he said that everybody in the league was disrespecting us. Nobody thought we had what it took to win this game. And we did. And I couldn't agree more that this team showed that they were capable of winning uh, a challenging game against a really good team and a hot team. But I thought Detroit matched up really well. I've talked about it on this show that Detroit looks like a team that plays weak three, four defense. And they do. They've been getting, they've been cushiony in coverage and they've been really weak in the run, in the run area, stopping the run. But in this game, they didn't get a ton of pressure on Kyler Murray, but what they did was they took a stance where we're going to give you these five yard dinky little throws. And they did, they gave Kyler Murray those short throws. And eventually what happened was he made a mistake. And they said this coming into the game, uh, defensive players on the lines told reporters, he's a short guy. Kyler Murray's five foot nine. All we have to do is get a hand up on the defensive line, bat that ball and somebody they said that they practiced the tip drill all week and they were ready for that ball to get tipped and come down with it. And that happened on several occasions in this game. The Lions finished the game with three interceptions. Now let me go to a graphic here that really shows you how great the Lions have played against Kyler Murray in the last two years. So looking at this, two games he has played in the last two years, week one of 2019, we saw Kyler Murray uh, tie in his in Kyler Murray was in his career NFL debut and he went against um, the Lions in uh, Matt Patricia's second season 27.1 average QBR not impressive from Kyler Murray while this has been going on uh, Matt Stafford has had over 600 yards passing uh, versus the Lions he has thrown no interceptions Matt Stafford has also thrown about six touchdowns in these two games combined. So it is clear that Matt Stafford has owned the matchup versus Kyler Murray and the Lions in general just matched up really well in this game with time of possession. That is something that Detroit really tried to stress in this game. Adrian Peterson got a healthy 22 carries for 75 yards, although he had a long of 27, which means 21 of his attempts went for an average of 2.3 yards. That's still not awful because any amount of carries for two, three yards, what really sets these teams apart is how they play on third down. And in this game, Detroit played really well on third down, and that really extended their drives so they could win that time of possession battle. Uh, not to mention some key field goals by Matt Prater to put them up 26 to 23. And uh, fourth quarter, this is a team that has not played great in the second half all season. Detroit did not allow a single point in the fourth quarter. Uh, really impressive game from Detroit here. So five minutes until Caitlin Leonard comes on to talk about the Bears. And yep, there she is. Uh, there she will be in five minutes. Um, let's go on to this other graphic I wanted to show you guys. We have Kind of a thing here, a little trend that I wanted to talk about on this show is that the Lions, it's really hard to to, to compliment this team. I mean, there's so much to criticize, and, but we have to we have to appreciate the little things that this team does that makes you that just makes you enjoy watching them play. And I think a little a little thing that I enjoyed in this game was the run game, and it's something we don't see a lot from Detroit is seeing them run the ball. Uh, excuse me, one second. And Adrian Peterson in this game was phenomenal, uh, in my opinion. He's not a guy who's going to go for 100 yards a game anymore. Uh, in fact, his new 100-yard per game is really like 60 to 70 yards. And the Lions have been rotating, doing running back by committee in uh, this season. In the first week, they started on Johnson. In the second week, they started DeAndre Swift. And then in the third week, they rolled with Adrian Peterson. 
And this was probably one of their most complete rushing games of the season. Adrian Peterson, as you can see, uh, is spearheading an attack right now that is second best in the last 10 years. And in the last 10 years, Matt Stafford has been their starting quarterback. So you can tell this team under Matt Patricia, if you just look at the last three years since Matt Patricia took over in 2018, that this team has been improving in the run game. They went from 76.3 yards a game, which was dead last in the NFL in 2017. They went to 23rd, which isn't great. But when you couple the fact that they have a franchise quarterback that can throw the ball really well and they get their running backs involved in the passing game like they do with DeAndre Swift, it is not a huge deal that uh, 103, 105, uh, 22nd, 21st, 23rd, that's just fine for Detroit. If you know, they've been the playoffs twice in the last decade. And if you see this uh, rushing yards per game, they never had an elite rushing game. Uh, in 2013, when they last made the playoffs, uh, they did have a great rushing game. But uh, it, they were still just 17th in the league. Uh, and their leading rusher that year was Reggie Bush. So I just don't think we can judge this team and say they've never had a good rushing game. I mean, for them, good rushing is 22nd in the league. So I do respect their ability uh, to to favor the run now with Patricia, uh, Patricia as their coach. Um, Really, Detroit in this game, let me get my face back on the screen. Detroit in this game, they showed me that they are a team that is improving, and that is what's most important. Right now, Minnesota, the Vikings have not been showing that they're improving. Um, the Bears, you never know what kind of team you're going to get on a weekly basis from them. But for Detroit, you saw Jeff Okuda come into his own this game. That is a player that they needed to step up. TJ Hawkinson, another guy that stepped up in this game. He had a, uh, four catches for over 50 yards. Then a guy like Jesse James, a no-name tight end who played for the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, the past few seasons. He's another guy who got in the scoring column for them. And Danny Amendola only had one catch. Marvin Jones only had three catches. Kenny Galladay, who's on a pitch count, he had six catches for only 57 yards and a touchdown. These aren't gouty statistics from them. However, it is still really important uh, to note the diversity that the that Matt Stafford is throwing the ball with right now. He's spreading the rock. He's getting more people involved. And that offensive line is giving him plenty of time to throw the ball. They've made some adjustments at the offensive line with Joe Dahl getting hurt at guard. Moving Vitae, their new signee, to fifty million, who signed a fifty million dollar contract, moved to to guard from tackle. Taylor Decker has been like David Bakhtiari at left tackle. He's been one of the best left tackles in the NFL. And Matt Stafford has had great pocket presence. He's thrown five touchdowns this year and just two interceptions. Uh, it's great. It's been great for them. As we see a comment from Christian Peel. Uh, I think the Vikings hit their ceiling in 17. And yes, Christian, I think that's a great comment. I, I really do agree. Uh, when you look at when you look at guys like Anthony Barr, Eric Kendricks, Harrison Smith, uh, and Xavier Rhodes is another guy I haven't mentioned. He just had his best three-game span of his entire career with the Indianapolis Colts. PFF has him ranked right now, the number one corner in the NFL. But in 2017, Xavier Rhodes was playing like that for the Vikings. Their secondary was great. Uh, Everson Griffin was in his prime. Daniel Hunter was rise, a rising star. Their interior defensive line was great. Uh, the Vikings right now, I mean, they're, we're, we're cheering, we're hooping and hollering right now because we scored 30 points. Uh, and we don't even care that the Titans scored 31. We're just so happy that Kirk Cousins threw more than two touchdowns. And uh, we're, our identity used to be scoring like 24 points, but only allowing 14 to 17 a game. We would never imagine giving up 30 points to a team like the Titans in 2017. Uh, so I appreciate that comment, Christian. As uh, my guest, Caitlin, I'm waiting for her to, to log into the stream. I might have to um, uh, hang on one second. Yeah, I'll, I'll be having her on as soon as she gets on, logged into the stream. And Christian with another comment, 
So as a non-Vikings fan who hasn't watched them super close, what happened to that great defense? Uh, I would love to answer that. And really what happened to them um, is injuries, age, and um, I would just say the lack of aggressiveness as a defense. Um, This was a defense that last year was one of the best in turnovers and takeaways. Uh, Their turnover margin last year, I think they ranked third in the entire NFL in turnover margin. And this year they're ranked in the bottom five. Um, They're, they have really, they have really struggled um, to get the ball taken away. And time of possession is another thing for offense in this Titans game. They still didn't do a great job with time of possession. And that always affects the defense when that defense has to play a lot of downs that defensive line is inexperienced. They got ran over by Derrick Henry in this game. Uh, they're just not the big, bad defense that we used to remember. And I will talk more about them later on in the show. We now have Caitlin Leonard coming on to talk about the Chicago Bears. Thank you for the questions, Christian. Everybody keep going with the questions. Yes, Cobb, I have a new studio. If you guys see in the back, wrong finger, the North Pole with Gabe Poyton. Uh, Caitlin, I will be bringing you on now. Hey. Hello, Caitlin. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Um, never better. The Bears are 3-0. <laughs> yeah, it's it, that was a great game to watch if you're a Bears fan. what a That's a, that's one for the books. And fans right now, what is just the, like, the vibe right now in Chicago or fans all over the country? Are They must be really excited that Nick Foles is, is starting. Yeah, I think that's where more of the excitement lies. Um, I, I'm personally excited because we're undefeated, but these games are so close that people are still kind of hating a little bit. Not sure where this team can really go, but I think a lot of people are excited for finally a change to happen because I think it's long overdue. Um, and there's a lot of excitement when you have a new guy out there. So there's, I guess, hope now. Yeah, and... When they when they benched uh, Nick or when they benched Trubisky at the time, I wasn't when I when I was watching the highlights of the game, and Trubisky wasn't having a god awful game at the time. He was having a Trubisky game. It was it was you know he makes mistakes, but he does some good. He had that forty five yard run that made you feel like wow, that's something most quarterbacks can't do. He hit nineteen point seven four miles per hour on that run, which is like top ten in all of week three for any running back, for anybody who carried the ball. So did you think that was the right move at that time? Um, It took me a little bit uh, at first when it happened. So my initial reaction was, what's going on? I did not expect this to happen at all because that pretty much what you said about Mitchell. He wasn't overly terrible. And let's also – you know, talk about the fact we're two and oh, and in week one, he made a miraculous comeback to beat the Lions, so he was very capable of making a comeback. But, um, after examining it, so at first, I'm like, I, I don't get it the context of the situation. Now, if he was throwing three interceptions, yeah, for sure. But this is pretty much Matt Nagy at his breaking point, Mitchell Trubisky continuing to make the same mistakes, doing the same things. Not reading the whole field. I mean, the last drive he was on the field, that interception, it was just awful if you look it back because the defenders, like, basically breaking, and Mitchell should have seen that and, you know, did not see him at all. And then you're missing also Allen Robinson, who was open on that play. So it was basically Matt Nagy's breaking point saying, okay, here we go again. Mitchell not being able to read the whole field, not seeing open guys. And then when he tries to throw to open guys, he overthrows them. So it's just the same old mistakes. And, yeah, he wasn't playing terribly, but it was just average, and we want better than average. So ultimately, looking back, that was the best decision by Matt Nagy, and I think that's pretty much why we won that game, because he made that decision to bring out Nick Foles. I I agree. Uh, Players, I mean, players love to rally around their quarterback, and when it, I think it sparked their whole team. They knew they could play better. They knew they were better than this. I thought David Montgomery in this game got underused a lot. Uh, I know I, re- I, watched, I listened to your show recently um, after the, the Giants game, and you said they, they should really be trying to get him to 100 yards a game and control that time of possession more. Um, and Allen Robinson with 13 targets in this game, that's great. 
he's been getting a lot of targets and they finally connected with him on 10 of them last week against the Giants. They only connected with him on three of nine targets. Uh, but David Montgomery is a guy that I really wanted to talk about because he's somebody that has been he's he's ranked 11th right now in PFF of all running backs. They think he's playing really well when he gets the ball. Do you think they should just get him the ball more, especially now with Nick Foles playing? So, yeah, they, they that was the game plan like the first two weeks where Matt Nagy made it an emphasis to get the ball to David Montgomery. I think I'm going to credit the Falcons defense a little bit this week because, it, I mean, we knew going into this game they were way better at stopping the run than stopping the pass. I mean, they were ranked like one of the worst teams in the NFL at stopping the pass, giving up a bunch of yards, and they're ranked ninth in the league at stopping the run. So we knew that that was their strength. And you could see right from the beginning with Matt Nagy's game plan, where he was calling more passes than runs. Now I said on my preview episode that I'd still would like him to get David Montgomery going early on, even though they're better at stopping the run. I still think it's crucial for this offense to make him the identity. And I mean, you trying to win this game, playing the the Falcons game, or basically the Falcons love to throw it. I mean, Matt Ryan and company, even with Julio Jones out, Calvin Ridley is a stud out there. And so you knew that they were, that's the kind of game they want to play. And I just felt like Matt Nagy should have taken the game and made it his kind of game, which is running the football. Um, but I, I understood why he wanted to lean more on the pass game. Um, but I think overall, you want to make David Montgomery the focal point. And now it's even more crucial with no Tariq Cohen that he, David Montgomery has got to be the main guy. And you, want him to, I mean, especially, I mean, Nick Foles, it would just be just icing on the cake. If you have David Montgomery already going and then you have Nick Foles to just play action and do a bunch of stuff, spread the ball around. And so I I just think going into the season, no matter who the quarterback was, David Montgomery has got to be the focal point. I I agree. And Cordero Patterson too, is another guy on that offense. He's got three pro bowls to his name, which is the most out of any offensive player on the Chicago Bears. Obviously, Cordero Patterson has not gotten those Pro Bowls for his offensive performance. It's been for special teams. But in this game, another time where they were down by double digits, he has a huge kickoff return that sparks a big comeback. It's like every time this team is down, and Cordero Patterson says, it's my turn to take over. And he had a big 40-something yard kickoff return. Yeah, and I remember he also did that week one. That also catapulted our, you know, comeback in against the Lions. So he tends to always give us those big kick returns and big moments. And just in general, he makes big plays for us and big moments. And, I mean, the factor that he brings to the table is just his speed. I mean, he can just get by guys just – and they can't even, like, get close to him. Um, that's why I think they wanted to make him, like, another running back because he can just add another element to this offense – you can throw him in there. Now, mainly, he was supposed to be our third guy. Now he's probably going to be our second guy unless we sign somebody. So I I don't want him necessarily to be a big focal point of the running game. I still want it to be David Montgomery. Um, But Cordell Patterson adds that kind of like, I don't know, big playmaker type of thing where you don't know what he could give you. It's kind of like Devin Hester asks. It's like you always got to watch where he's at on the field. I mean, they're very similar. And um, he definitely has brought um, because we needed a kick returner so badly when we signed him and he has taken it to the next level for us. And so many times he gets us in great field position and that has helped us making these comebacks. Yeah, you guys are lucky to have him. We had him for like four years, five years, and he made, he, he was on oh, our team yeah. when we were really struggling when we were uh, finishing at the bottom of the division, which um, is looking like we're going to do this year, too. But um we, we've always had really good athletes who can run after the catch, like Percy Harvin and then Cordero Patterson. And now we're in a situation where we have Justin Jefferson is finally a guy that's athletic who can make a play after the catch. But you guys have multiple guys on that offense who can run with the ball in space. Um, Anthony Miller's another guy who's really athletic. But I also want to talk about Darnell Mooney, who's a guy that not a lot of people know. I actually got to see him play live in person at West Point at uh, when Army played against Tulane. And Darnell Mooney absolutely tore apart this defense in the open field. Army couldn't tackle him. There had to be three different times where he had like a 70-yard run for a touchdown. Uh, this guy is amazing in open field. Uh, he's been playing the slot. How is Nick Foles going to use him? Do you think they should use him more in this offense? 
Yeah, I'm actually surprised how much they utilized him so far because generally, especially with Matt Nagy, these rookie wide receivers, they kind of like ease them in. They don't really throw them in. So to see him have like already some big targets his first two weeks as a rookie, especially with this offseason where there basically was no offseason. And so these rookies are already falling behind. And so it just, I mean, that's just how much they believe in Darnell Mooney and, and kind of like what he brings to the table. And uh, I mean, Ryan Pace is known to get those late draft picks. Like he got him in the fifth round. Um, and basically to be that kind of like slot guy, that's a- another option, a speedy option, a deep threat, basically. And um, I'm pleasantly surprised how much they're utilizing him already. And I think you continue to utilize him because you don't want just Allen Robinson to be your sole receiver. You want guys like Anthony Miller and Darnell Mooney to step up and make plays. So they become a threat as well. So defenses have to pay attention to them. So if you start spreading the ball around, getting all these other receivers involved, and they're also doing their job being consistent because um, with Anthony, Anthony Miller, I mean, week two, it was pretty down week for him. He can be inconsistent sometimes. And so Darnell Mooney was actually, he's been doing really well. I mean, from since week one. So I, I feel very hopeful about what they can bring to the table and it's only going to make Allen Robinson's job way easier. Yeah, I, I agree with that. This, I said on my show a few weeks ago, I thought this bears team has the best receiving core in the NFC North. Um, even when Devontae Adams is healthy, even when all the other uh, offenses have a healthy receiving core, I think Anthony Miller's potential is so high. If he just stops dropping uh, easy catches and making, you know, just young mistakes. Um, and if Jimmy Graham and Nick Foles can continue that connection, I mean, Trubisky didn't even look at Jimmy Graham when uh, in the first two weeks. In fact, I mean, he only looked at Allen Robinson for the most part. I just love how Foles surveys the field, sees everybody, and really what what helps him, um, Caitlin, is this offensive line. I wanted to show this graphic here, a much improved offensive line. If you look at their PFF ratings here, they have all improved in 2020. Everyone has improved by several points. They're much more um, – They're just, they look a lot like that offensive line in 2018. Do you remember that offensive line? Wasn't that really the real reason why they got to where they did in 2018? Yeah, they were a a big reason, and it also had to do with they stayed healthy for a full season. Last year, the struggle was that we were dealing with injuries. Kyle Long was in and out of the lineup, and Bobby Massey was out for most of the season. So now we have our our guys back healthy. Um, Last year, Charles Lennels struggled a bit as well, and he also got – was really bad at getting penalties. And um, and the line, I think, overall has been doing a great job – run blocking their pass protection is a little bit shaky here and there but generally speaking they've definitely improved from last year yeah and if you watch that um that anthony miller game-winning touchdown catch um in the fourth quarter you saw how much pressure was put on Foles. it's hard to blame Foles on that uh well you can't blame him for throwing the game-winning touchdown i should say it was hard to blame that offensive line uh while Foles was getting hit when he threw that ball there were six guys rushing on that play and only five in pass protection uh, and Foles hung in there. And I just think he's so much better against the pressure uh, than Trubisky is. And uh, then defensively, let's talk about this defense. Um, Khalil Mack, one and a half sacks this year. Is he having a down year or is, is he just still making other quarterbacks throw the ball even faster? So I, I think he's actually back to his old form. Um, if you actually, I mean, numbers don't always tell the story. Um, it, it's a lot of times where he's getting back to the backfield consistently. He's just able not to, you know, cash in and get that sack. Um, but you can already see, especially when Robert Quinn started week two, how he completely just changed it for Kolo Mack. And that's why I thought it was a, a big deal to get another solid pass rusher on the other side to free up some guys. And then you also have Akeem Hicks coming back healthy. So I think Khalil Mack, he's doing, I mean, I just watching him this past week, he was consistently getting pressure, getting in the quarterback's face. I mean, Akeem Hicks as well. So I think Khalil Mack is, is, I mean, the numbers don't always, like I said, he's not getting the amount of sacks you would want, but I, you see him, you see him definitely kind of revving up and getting to the quarterback. And it seems like he's kind of getting his mojo back and, I, I think that the difference is having Akeem Hicks back healthy and Robert Quinn out there. And I think 
you know, having them to consistently getting to the quarterback like they have been, it's just going to make Khalil Mack's game better and he'll send, get effectively get more sacks as well. So I think if you look closely, you would see he's really having um, a good year so far and up to his caliber and even as good in the, you know, stopping the run. So I think he's, I mean, he's same old, same old for me. I, I definitely agree. I, I asked that question because I wanted to see somebody who actually watches the Bears every uh, every week. And I knew you'd say something like that because I, I just don't I don't think stats tell the whole story. And uh, especially at the pass rushing position, if you look at the like next gen statistics, uh, Khalil Mack is still really close to the quarterback when he throws the football. He's right there. And it's just it's making these corners play even better. I mean, Throwing the ball in traffic is what Daniel Jones did the entire week last week uh, against the Bears. And that was because he had to get that ball out of his hands so fast that he threw the ball into contested coverage every time to avoid a sack. Same in this game. Matt Ryan in this game, uh, he had one of his worst games uh, of the season, if not in the last few years, uh, 19 for 38. That is very uncharacteristic of Matt Ryan. Um, a season low in yards, a season low in touchdowns. And third down is what I love about this Bears defense. Nobody wants to go up against Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn and Akeem Hicks on third and long. When they pin their ears back, uh, it's really tough to get uh, a first down. So you saw that. And then time of possession uh, as well, getting them to cut their drives really short in this game. What did you think about the secondary uh, and how well did this defense gel in the second half of this game? So, yeah, I mean, they had an outstanding fourth quarter in general, shutting the Falcons out um, in terms of the secondary. So they did let Calvin Ridley burn them on that very first play, but he really did nothing else the rest of the game, nothing of note. And um, in just in general, just Speaking about the secondary, I think it's one of the best in the league. You talk about two all pros and Kyle Fuller and Eddie Jackson, and it's the little things they do. Yeah, they're really great at taking the ball away and basically being those guys who are aggressive, getting after the football, but they're just great cover guys. Like Kyle Fuller is one of the best cover corners in the game. He doesn't get enough respect for that. And then, oh yeah, you throw in Jalen Johnson in the loop and he's just as good at covering guys so we have two solid cover corners and Jalen Johnson I mean if you look back to week one he broke up that pass to essentially seal that win for us and Kyle Fuller is just super consistent I mean he yeah he got the interception as well in week one Eddie Jackson last week should have had that interception in my opinion and that pick six and the reason why I mean and then you look at Tayshawn Gibson we just signed him in the offseason and oh yeah he's getting the interception to win the game for us like in big moments, when we need them to get a takeaway, these guys are consistently showing up. They're consistently shutting down these receivers. So, I, I mean, I don't know why people don't talk about Kyle Fuller enough. I just think he's so great at covering top receivers. Absolutely. And another guy that isn't even a star he's not a starter, but Barkevius Mingo is another addition who's just a special teamer who plays about a third of their defensive snaps in that rotation. He's another guy who's got a sack on this year, and he's another – good uh, veteran that they can throw in there. There's really no weak links, except you could argue, and I've heard it on your show before, you said Danny Trevathan this year hasn't looked himself. Uh, is there anything about Danny Trevathan and that group of linebackers, Roquan Smith, that maybe they could be stepping up a little more? I, I don't have too much too bad to say about Roquan Smith. I still think he brings um, a different kind of speed to the defense and stopping the run. I think my... Danny Trevathan, I think the issue with him, it just looks like he's lost a step or two and he's coming off like a serious injury from last year. And we re-signed him because he's such a solid vet, a great leader for this defense. But it just seems like his body is kind of like not where it used to be. And um, you can tell just by the fact that he's not getting as many um, plays, they're taking off, they're taking him off the field more than they used to. So obviously the coaches are seeing it as well. Because, I mean, I think I saw him in this game, you know, make some plays here and there, tackling guys, stopping guys. So it looks like a little bit of an improvement because I, the first two weeks he was just letting guys get by him consistently. And um, I think I, they're crucial for how we're going to handle stopping the run. I mean, it starts with a defensive line, Akeem Hicks and company. But it's got to be those two guys that help us out in that. And we've been struggling a little bit here and there, stopping the run and 
giving up too many first downs. So I, I don't know how they're going to handle it going forward. Um, but I we'll see how it goes for Danny Trevathan. Maybe he'll, he'll game his game will pick up. Yeah. And it's only three weeks in the year. Hopefully he does. Um, and then now let's look forward, Caitlin. I really want to talk about this Indianapolis Colts game. Um, my, one of my really good friends is an Indianapolis Colts fan. Uh, and I was talking to him about the game. I think the Colts have an awesome shot to win this game because of how the way they're playing. I think the Colts are playing so well. Um, they're dominating right now. And the Bears, they're winning, but they're not dominating. Um, so this game is going to be tough uh, for them. But it's a run-heavy team. You just mentioned they've been t- they've been struggling in that run defensive area. Um, wh- how do they prevent another gashing like they like um, to occur? Like the, the it, Colts gashed the Vikings uh, a couple weeks ago. And um, if I'm not mistaken, it was just the Jets they just beat. And is that correct? Yeah, yeah it's the yeah. Jets. So um, I guess my thing is that maybe the the teams they're playing are not the greatest, and the Jets are kind of like you could say arguably one of the worst teams. So I wouldn't put too much on them, like you know, <laughs> blowing them out or anything like that. Um, Yes, I think their offensive line is a threat, but I also think our defensive line and our defense in general is a threat. And I think you add Nick Foles into it. And the reason why we were struggling to like get these wins, we had to make these miraculous comebacks or we were um, they were close scoring games. It's because of the offense wasn't getting enough touchdowns. And then you see we put Nick Foles in there in five I mean, essentially five of his six series out there, he got touchdowns, two got taken off the board. One, you could say, yeah, Anthony Miller didn't follow through with the catch, but the one with um, Allen Robinson, that should have been a touchdown. So the majority of his drives, he's getting touchdowns for us. And that's something Mitchell wasn't doing. So you add in Nick Foles, who's going to consistently get us up the field and hopefully continue to get us touchdowns in ways we weren't getting. And that's why these games were so close because we would stall out and we would have to force you know, ourselves to kick field goals. And sometimes our kicker would miss them. And so if we have a guy out there who's going to consistently get us in the red zone and potentially get touchdowns, then I think that will help us out against the Colts. Yeah. And I think we could talk about, um, you know, the run game, but in reality what the bears are so good. And like I mentioned before, it's that third and long, how is Phillip rivers in third and six going to convert first downs um, against his pass rush? He's not mobile. Philip Rivers cannot move. Um, and if you press cover, you mentioned Kyle Fuller uh, is great in man coverage. Give him press coverage against these really not so fast receivers. Michael Pittman is a, he's a big, slowish receiver. T.Y. Hillen, you could argue, has lost a step. Um, and he really is, he's got Nelson Aguilar syndrome. Uh, he's just dropping open passes. Um, I just think, I think they match up really well in the pass rushing and the passing element. Um, I and if you're Indianapolis, time of possession is going to be everything in this game. Um, it's going to be a really close game, regardless. Uh, and Rodrigo Blankenship is going to get a lot of field goals, I'm sure. Uh, if I don't know who you have as your kicker on your fantasy team, but uh, he's he's been money for me this so far this year. Um, <laughs> anybody on the Bears that you recommend picking up in fantasy this week? Hmm. Um. Who would I want? I'd probably, if if we've been talking about these receivers, I'd be trying to get, if you don't have Anthony Miller or Darnell Mooney, I'd be yep. trying to get those guys because yep. Nick Foles, he's already shown that he's spreading the ball around. He's not just going to focus solely on Allen Robinson. So definitely pick up some of our other receivers. Yeah, I, I actually started Anthony Miller the last two weeks at my flex. Nice. I'm like, I know he's going to get a big game one of these days. Uh, and I – I'm just waiting for one of those big ones, <laughs> but yeah. he's had some good games. He's, he's had touchdowns. So that's good. Yeah. Um, so is there anything else you'd like to add uh, to this? Um, Let me think. Uh, I just want to say real quick um, about Mitchell Trubisky because he's no longer a starting quarterback. So um, anybody who's been following me closely knows I've been, I've been his biggest supporter, but I've had to been, you know, this past year I've had to really kind of, objectively look at the situation and um i i'm I'm happy for what he accomplished with us um he helped lead us to a division win in 2018 
Um, but ultimately you just kind of have to say, this is the NFL. And if you're not cutting it, like if you're not doing it for us, you know, what have you done for us lately? And he's not doing it for us. So, um, it's unfortunate. It looks like we made the wrong choice. I mean, we did make the wrong choice when you have Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson in that draft, we made the wrong choice at quarterback, but, um, we were hopeful. And I think maybe it's just time to kind of move forward and potentially look for our next franchise quarterback. Very well said, Caitlin. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Uh, thank you so much for ha- uh, coming on my show. And um, Caitlin Leonard, uh, Bear Down Girl podcast on Apple Music and on Podbean, correct? Sure. Yeah, it's on iTunes. So for any yep. um, iPhone users, you can get on their podcast app. And yeah, for Android users, download the Podbean app. You can listen to it that way. Awesome. All right, Caitlin, thank you so much and enjoy the rest of your night and good luck on Sunday. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. You're welcome. All right. And now let's move on to the Packers Saints game with Kevin O'Brien. Um going to bring him on in just a second. Kevin, 0-3. Would you look at that? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you, another, another introduction, man. You always have good introductions. Yeah, you know, another week, another win. Love being three and zero. Let's get let's chop it up, Gabe. Yep, let's chop it up. All right, so let's start with uh, let's start with Alan Lazard. <laughs> hey, um, yeah, my main man, Alan Lazard. What do you want to know about him? Yeah, uh, well, I I looked up his whole life story because I was wondering like what makes this guy so interesting. Quite honestly, he's just a real normal guy from Iowa who's a really good athlete. Um, but he's his knock is that he's he's not fast enough. That's always been his knock. But in this game, two catches over fifty yards. Who is this guy? And and Marquez Valdez Scantling. I thought he was going to have a tremendous game this week. I thought it was going to be the Marquez Valdez Scantling show. It was not. It was all Alan Lazard. So so what makes Alan Lazard so good in the deep game? Is it just Aaron Rodgers is that good at throwing it on the money, or is Alan Lazard a really good athlete too? I think you have to look at the uh, overall offense as a as a whole, Matt LaFleur really draws up these schemes to get Alan Lazard deep and wide open in that, in that you could say, zone two coverage that the Saints were throwing at the Packers. And uh, it all starts with the play action, really. I feel like all the big plays were play action bootlegs, Aaron Rodgers rolling back and just hitting Lazard deep, one for 48 and the other for 80, I believe. Yeah, 73. And both of them. Falling down right before reaching the end zone. Uh, yep, that's really tough. That's to Alan Lazard for you. I feel like he's – I see him. <laughs> I watch him play, and I think he's he's falling over his own two feet a lot. You saw it in week one against the Vikings. Yeah. He catches that deep ball on third down over the middle, and all he has to yeah. do is beat Harrison Smith, and before Harrison Smith could even touch him, he's falling down. Um, I don't know. Maybe he has to tie his shoes a little bit tighter. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of my thing with Alan Lazard. He seems to make big plays after he makes some bad plays. Like even in the Saints game on third, on second and 10, he drops a wide open pass across the middle. I'm like, all right, it's going to be another Alan Lazard slow game, I guess. And then right back in the next next play, boom, 73 yards. But he trips over, he doesn't trip over his own feet this time, but he gets tackled when the dude was five yards behind him. I'm like, all right, that was a good play, but what are we doing here? Come on. Yeah, it's it's weird because he's 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 not doofy, but uh, he's built really solid. He's not like Marquez Valdez Scantling, who's thirty pounds less than him, um, who probably looks like a guy who would trip over his own feet. Lazard's built solid, so maybe he just gets nervous, falls down. Uh, I'm not sure, but let's talk about also um, the way the Packers are scoring. I mean, I'm looking at stats here. The Packers they're 25th in the NFL in scoring in the first quarter they score just three points uh per first quarter but then you look at their third and second quarter and fourth quarter I mean you look at everything after second quarter they're second in the NFL at 14 points uh third quarter 12.7 that's best in the NFL and then fourth quarter they're fourth fourth best at 11 points per fourth quarter what makes this team so bad at starting the game and what makes them so good after that I think uh, LaFleur just likes to get a feel of the defense at first. I mean, watching the Saints game, I didn't think they started off too too slow. They drove down the field pretty easily, but that just resulted in field goals. 
But uh, later on during the game, you you just see Aaron Rodgers just taking deep shot after deep shot, really getting a, a feel for the Saints defense. And then finally just putting it in the end zone, which is a major key to winning that game. I feel like this every time that the Saints had the ball, they had the opportunity to go put it in the end zone just because Alvin Kamara was having such an outstanding game. But yeah, uh, like you said, they they do struggle in the first quarter, but after all, they're averaging a little less than 40 points a game. Yeah, and I'm um, looking at some more stats. They lead the NFL in yards per play at 6.9. Um, they're the they are the opposite of the Saints. I mean, in this game, the Saints got a ton of big plays, but it was all from Alvin Kamara. Uh, if you look at Drew Brees, I mean, Kamara in this game had seven broken tackles. Drew Brees on throws of over um, 20 yards, he didn't attempt one the entire game. And of Brees' 36 pass attempts in this game, 19 of them traveled less than five yards past the line of scrimmage. Uh, you said it on the show last week. I got to give you credit. You talked about Drew Brees not throwing the ball past five yards. Uh, has he lost it? Has he lost his arm? Uh, is he not the player he used to be? I'm, I'm watching this game last Sunday night. I'm I'm not impressed by Drew Brees at all. It seems like every time he drops back to throw, he li- does a little hitch fake. Even if it was there, it wasn't there. They even showed on, on the broadcast that there was dudes open downfield but he just dumps it off to Alvin Kamara for one or two yards across the line of scrimmage. And then Alvin Kamara being Alvin Kamara just breaks seven tackles and takes it 50 yards for a touchdown. So yeah, I was not impressed by Drew Brees at all. I was getting very frustrated that our linebackers with uh, Christian Kirksley going out with a shoulder injury early in the game that Ty Summers and Chris Barnes were kind of struggling guarding Alvin Kamara. I was thinking maybe they should throw maybe a safety or a corner to guard him. But uh, I'm not a defensive coordinator, so I don't know much. But, yeah, I'm not impressed with uh, Drew Brees at all this season. Yeah, and that's their offensive game plan, it seems like, for the Saints. That's not a championship or even a playoff game plan to just throw the ball, dump it off. That's like a peewee football strategy. Let's just throw it to our best player and let him run with it. Um, it's not a – and people said this could be a rematch of the NFC Championship. The Saints are not – they did not look like a team that's ready for the NFC Championship with that kind of strategy and a pass rush that's weak. I mean, I know you're going against Aaron Rodgers, but this Cam Jordan, Hendrickson, these guys looked bad out there, uh, and they look silly. They they stopped the run decently, but I just felt like Green Bay can just pass the ball every play uh, because of how well Aaron Rodgers is protected. David Bakhtiari, Corey Lindsley. They're both number one PFF at their position. And Wagner on the right side is another great player. Uh, Elton Jenkins at left guard, I believe. Uh, This team is stacked at the offensive line. We talk about their O-line every week. But what made this week different, if anything? Uh, I believe Aaron Rodgers got sacked once this game. In the first quarter. In the beginning, I believe. It was just one sack. And that was his first sack taken of the year. Also, it was the first time he was even hit this entire season. Yeah, I mean, this offensive line is probably the best part of this offense. It's what makes this offense click. David Bakhtiari being the best left tackle, I don't know, the last three or four years in the NFL. And uh, I mentioned him earlier in the previous episodes. He's a second-year man, Elton Jenkins at the left guard. He's also a phenomenal athlete, just all around. I don't think he's ever allowed a sack. At least pro football focus says that he's never allowed a sack. And yeah, this offensive line for Green Bay is really coming together and looking like a strong. They look like they're already in the midseason. I mean, you, you watch the game and Aaron Rodgers seems like he has five, six seconds to drop back and find the open man. It's ridiculous. And what, that's why this offense is so powerful this season. And Rob Murphy with the question. We'll get to that question in one second. I just wanted to add another thing about this Packers offense, Kevin, is the bootleg in this game was lethal. I mean, they didn't it's they didn't get the run game going, yet the bootleg worked so well. Robert Tanyan, you'll like this, Kevin. Every time he was throwing the ball, the average amount of separation from a defender was seven point eight yards. He was wide open. They it's like 
Robert Tanyan, I mean, this was what his third catch, like starting coming into this game, he had maybe two, three catches. Um, so did all of their tight ends for the most part. And this game was all about the tight ends. They all combined for over a hundred yards. Um, and that bootleg was lethal. Um, and is that just something they haven't done a lot this year? So the saints weren't ready for it, or is there something about the threat of Aaron Jones, uh, rushing the ball, making that play so open? Aaron Jones is definitely a huge threat, but I think you got to look at Aaron Rodgers in this case. I mean, they showed it on the on the broadcast during Sunday night. They showed two pictures, one of Aaron Rodgers' handoff to Aaron Jones and one of a play-action bootleg, and they looked the, the exact same, except Aaron Rodgers just yanks the ball away at the last second, making it so tough for that outside linebacker to either crash in and play the run or drop back and cover the tight end running that little, that little out pattern. So, yeah, it, Matt LaFleur definitely drew up a pretty – outstanding game plan just planning to attack them with this bootleg play action and it seemed to work every single time the Packers ran it yeah I agree and uh, Tom Scavetta noting that Sternberger he was good I mean Sternberger caught the ball this game uh he had his first career catch um and he had three of them for 30 something yards um it's nice to see this this set of uh tight ends as my screen goes off all right there I'm back um, yeah, it was nice to see their tight ends put in a group effort in this game. Now let's get to Rob Murphy's question. Crazy how much better Michael Thomas makes Drew Brees look and not the opposite as is often with top tier, uh, quarterbacks. I really, after watching him play, uh, without Michael Thomas, it is so clear that Drew Brees, I mean, and this was a game where it's Drew Brees versus Aaron Rodgers. You're, you're talking about two guys now with receiving cores that they're missing their two biggest guys, Devontae Adams and uh, Michael Thomas. Now you finally get to see who's the better quarterback. Now, statistically, you look at Drew Brees' stats, and he has a phenomenal game statistically. But the stats lie in this case. Um, it was all Alvin Kamara. So I agree, Rob. It, it is really interesting to see that. And Drew Brees now, now – I want to make a point, Gabe. Yeah. Last season when uh, Devontae Adams went out with that turf toe injury, yep. Aaron Rodgers went 5-0 and without him. And it seems to be the case. It, it translates over to this season. You see Aaron Rodgers lighting it up, throwing deep balls down the field with Al Nazard being the number one wide receiver that's available. And you look over on the other side and Drew Brees, and he's averaging two, three yards a throw. I mean, it's a pretty major difference in uh, com- quarterback comparisons when you look at it. Yeah. And – Really, I think Drew Brees is uh, also another thing in this game was the Packers' pass rush is phenomenal. I mean, Zedarius Smith, he's got two sacks this season, two and a half maybe. Uh, Preston Smith is really good too. Um, Even without Kenny Clark, this defensive line, man, they still get to the quarterback really quick. And Drew Brees, unlike Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers still has that escapability. Drew Brees... I mean, you see him running out of the pocket. It's it's like looking like watching Brett Favre at the end of his career running out of the pocket. It's tough to watch. And Drew Brees, just physically, he's not there anymore. Uh, he really isn't. And Aaron Rodgers, on the other hand, what is he, like three years younger than Drew Brees? Aaron Rodgers looks young out there. He looks rejuvenated as a quarterback. Um, but, yeah, I mean, any other notes on this game, Kevin, uh, as, it, as it, we reach – the seventh, yeah, the Smith brothers. James says they're the Sacksmiths. I call them. Um, Sacksmiths. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, I just want to make a note for this MVP, this MVP race that's going on in the NFL. Obviously, the front runner is Russell Wilson, with him just looking like an absolute maniac out there, tossing deep balls left and right. But I want to make a case for Aaron Rodgers. I'm going to put on my my anti conspiracy hat. Don't let don't let the conspirators know that I'm making a, a conspiracy here, okay? But Aaron Rodgers should ha- be at least considered for the top MVP of this year's NFL. You see what he's doing without Devontae Adams. Towards the other case, Russell Wilson, he's got DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett running routes, looking looking crisp as as you know what. I'm just saying, think about Aaron Rodgers for this year's MVP, okay? Yeah, I agree. As I uh, type somebody t- type something in here, there we go. Anti conspiracy guy on the on the tape. Anti conspiracy. Oh. Think about it. 
pro football focus, think about it. Yeah. Russell Wilson, I mean, you look at the difficulty of throws. Russell Wilson makes the same level of difficulty throws as Aaron Rodgers. They both throw really impressive deep balls. Same with Mahomes. Mahomes throws another impressive deep ball. But now we look at Mahomes' numbers and we're like, geez, you see his receiving core? It makes sense what he's doing. But then you look at what Russell Wilson does with DK Metcalf, who made the biggest bonehead move last week by fumbling it a yard before the end zone. Um, and it, that maybe that's why Alan Lazard falls down before he hits the end zone because he's scared the person behind him is going to knock it out of his hands. <laughs> Nothing against Russell Wilson or Pat Mahomes, but if you take Aaron Rodgers and you put them in any – or if you take Russell Wilson – and you put him in Green Bay's offense, or you take Pat Mahomes and put him in Green Bay's offense, I think you get a completely different product. And it's yeah. not not the better one. Yeah. Um, looking forward for the Packers. Um, Falcons this week. Don't expect any pushback. And I think the Packers have a pretty um, fairly easy – now looking at who they've beat and the games they've played, I think – Packers can be re- virtually anybody on the schedule um, in the NFC South. I, the Bucks don't look as menacing now after seeing how they played against the Saints. Um, but let's talk about the Falcons game for a little bit. You saw how the Falcons blew a lead against the Bears. That's Matt Ryan's 16th blown lead in his career of 10 points or more. Um, and you're going up against a team. If the Packers win this ugly, I expect Dan Quinn to be fired next Monday. Yeah, I mean, this is one of those watch-out games, I feel like. I mean, the Falcons are putting up big numbers on the offensive side, but yet they're 0-3. I mean, obviously, you mentioned that Dan Quinn is definitely on the hot seat. I think we could all agree on that. But uh, this is this is definitely going to be – I feel like it's going to be a shootout. And uh, I don't. And I just received news that uh, the Falcons, their, their rookie quarterback, has, has COVID. So uh, – yeah. It's going to be interesting to see Aaron Rodgers pick apart that uh, that secondary this uh, this upcoming Monday. Yeah, you're talking about a defense right now that's got uh, on Atlanta. They have three Pro Bowlers, and one of their Pro Bowlers, uh, Keanu Neal, is their safety. He's playing in his first season back in 2018. He was a pro, or in 2017, safety Keanu Neal was a Pro Bowler, uh, and then in, as a rookie, 2018 tears his ACL. 2019 tears his Achilles. Now he's back. Uh, he's an Iron Man at this point. But you're looking no Ricardo Allen on defense, no A.J. Terrell, no Kendall Sheffield at corner. Um, and this defense just is lacking talent at every position. And Caitlin came on the, the show before to tell me how easy, how Swiss cheese this defense was for uh, Nick Foles and, and Mitchell Trubisky. Both of them threw over 130 yards in this game. Uh, if you look at their combined statistics and it looks like one quarterback – it looks like a field day. Uh, I just think Aaron Rodgers, who, who's going to be the guy on fantasy you want this week? Because uh, one of them or two of them is going to have a field day. It depends. If Devontae Adams is playing, then definitely Alan Lazard. But if Alan Lazard is, if Devontae Adams is out and Alan Lazard is the number one again, I think Marquez Valdez Scantling could have a huge game. He, I, I know for you, he disappointed last Sunday night. But I feel like this could be the game where out or Marquez Valdez Scanling really kind of goes off and picks apart that secondary. Yeah, I agree. And I think the Falcons just gave up everything over the top in this game. Also look at the the tight ends to have a big game. Um, because they're gonna be putting two safeties back every time to protect that that deep threat. Look at the checkdowns, Mark. Mercedes Lewis is still in the NFL. I didn't know that he was still playing for the Packers. You guys are hoarding tight ends, but they we we criticized the tight ends early on in the in the year. Now it, it's clear that it doesn't matter who they got; they they're gonna be be just fine. Uh, anything else you want to add, Kevin? As we wrap up the show? Uh, no, I mean I'm um, I'm just really happy to be three and zero, looking to go four and zero next week for next Tuesday, and. Uh, my life would just be really in the dumps right now. If my favorite football team was 0-3, I don't know what I would do, really. I, I think I, if I owned a show, I would probably just cancel it, maybe dump it to the trash, maybe give it to my friend who's, uh, whose team is, is 3-0. Let him take over the show. Oh, man, Kevin. Um, yeah, I, I have no comment. I'm going to get to the Vikings after this if you want to stay and watch. I just – 
I don't know, man. That $50 bet, you can have my money now. I don't care. I bet everybody, I bet Kevin 50 bucks before the season that the Vikings would have a better record than the Packers. I would give him that money right now. I hope you donate it to charity personally. Um, you know, maybe money isn't real since we got off the gold standard. <laughs> you you know who needs it. Is that your anti-conspiracy hat talking? Um, is no conspiracies here. What I was going to say is that money, you know who could use that money? is the Minnesota Vikings. They're in debt right now. They are a team that is literally underneath the, the salary cap deficit. They are in a deficit. The only team in the league that is, and they have the worst record. I don't know, man. Start a GoFundMe. <laughs> yeah, we need to pay these. We need to find a way to pay. Honestly, we should just gut the team at this point. We'll see. We'll see. But uh, thank you for having – thank you for coming on, Kevin. Um, I look forward to having you on in the future, uh, and good luck to the Packers in the future. All right, Gabe. All right, see you later. And now let's we'll wrap up the show in about a couple minutes. I just wanted to go over a few notes on the Vikings. Uh, my Minnesota Vikings, Kevin, was so nice to bring that up, um, how I should just cancel the show because of how bad they're playing. Uh, it's been rough. It's been real rough for Minnesota. And um, hopefully, hopefully they turn it around. But this week it's not looking bright for them. Um, and on a really, you know – just to add insult to injury on the way their season's going, they just found out that three Titans players tested positive for coronavirus today, and Minnesota had everybody tested. They all tested negative, but really what isn't um, isn't promising is that they can't practice until they get another test on Friday. So it's it's looking rough for them. If they have to play on Sunday without any practice, it's looking really rough for Minnesota. Um, but besides that, I really would love to talk about them, but we've kind of run out of time. And to be quite honest, I have no interest in talking about my Minnesota Vikings right now. They, they still have a lot left to prove. I'm excited to watch them play this Sunday if they do. Um, but hopefully, hopefully they come out with the win, uh, this Sunday. So for the North pole and your ho, ho host, Gabe Flayton, uh, I will see you guys next Tuesday from 6 to 7, and uh, enjoy the rest of your week, and stay safe, everyone.